This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. All right, let's go to Psalm 66. And as you're going there, our ushers are coming down the aisle because if you don't have a Bible, we have one for you. We'd love for you to use that this morning and you're free to take them. Just slip up your hand. We got plenty of them and you can use it and return it afterwards or you can take it home because technically you bought them anyway. So they're yours. So take them home. And if you are um, using the Bible that I'm using that we passed out, that's page 317. Page 317, many of you will be taking advantage of you version. We started a sermon series last week called Prayer is for Everyone. And we had a prayer meeting Thursday on the coldest night in history. Well, in recent history, like the coldest night of the winter. And it was so cold and in the natural schools were let out. You would think it wasn't the best night for prayer, but we had by far the largest attendance we've ever had at a prayer meeting. And it was just, it was just really encouraging. So we are learning, you know, how to encourage you to pray, trying to contextualize this to you because uh, you are a people with a distinct personality. And as a church leadership, we want to encourage you to pray and give you more opportunities too. So we're learning that we're going to experiment with different ways that we can live out the call the call to pray. Last week, we talked about really the desire to pray, that we asked that God would give us the desire to pray. So now we're going to add to that desire the knowledge, some of the knowledge that we need to be people of prayer. Let's go ahead and stand together. And we're going to read Psalm 66, starting with verse 16. Again, page 317. Psalm 66, verse 16, come and listen all who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth, and praise was on my tongue. 18, if I had been aware of malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. That's a key verse today. I'm going to read 18 again. If I had been aware of malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. However, God has listened. He has paid attention to the sound of my prayer. May God be praised. He has not turned away my prayer or turned his faithful love from me. Today, I'm gonna talk about hindrances to answered prayer. Hindrances to answered prayer. Let's pray together. God, um, remove obstacles, things that obstruct our prayers from reaching heaven. We've asked for a desire to pray because as we discussed last week, guilt is never a sustaining motivator for prayer. So we need something more than just the, I ought to pray, I have to pray. Lord, we need the desire to pray. And so you're birthing that desire in us, we're feeling it. And we know it's going to increase as we seek after the good things that you have for us. So now, Lord, we ask that you add to desire knowledge these next couple of sermons we have together. And let today, let us be aware of any hindrances to prayer. And Jesus, even if I don't mention these hindrances, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the teacher and you will show the people anything that's hindering prayers from being answered. So we submit this to you. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone who agrees, we say amen. amen. Amen, all right, you may be seated. It's real important that you hear my disclaimer 
before I go through the points of the sermon today. Because you could take my sermon in isolation and it could be used in an inappropriate way. I'm going to talk today about hindrances to answered prayer. But before I do that, I have to acknowledge a fact. And here's a fact. Sometimes good people pray good things and the outcome is not what we want. That, that is simply, um, that simply happened in life. There's numerous, numerous examples of that. And that's not what I'm addressing necessarily today. I think about here in our city, the largest church in our city, uh, their pastor passed away a couple of months ago. And it's such a hard thing for our whole community. And uh, a great pastor, he and I were building a great friendship. It was very disappointing. Um, there's no logical explanation for that besides the fact we trust the sovereignty of God. So today what I'm not dealing with is this, is when everything goes right and God doesn't answer prayer, we, we have to just leave that to the sovereignty of God. And I think a big mistake Christians make is always having to find the reason for an unanswered prayer. That, that's a mistake we make. We can think about it too much and think, well, why didn't God answer this prayer? And then what we do is we take on a very unchristlike posture by always trying to find the reason why a prayer wasn't answered. Now, I'm not a violent person. I think I'm a person of peace. But one of the few times I've ever wanted to punch somebody in the face is when it was an insensitive Christian at a hospital or at a, at a nursing home or at a funeral home trying to figure out the blame for why something negative happened to someone. Sometimes there's just not an explanation. So if, if you're one of those, like a uh, philosopher trying to find the answer to all unanswered prayer, there's not necessarily an answer besides the fact that we trust God and really, I don't want to be morbid, but every person dies, perhaps with the exception of Enoch and Elijah and for sure Jesus. And so God does answer his sovereign will, answers prayers at different times and seasons and reasons. So that's not the issue today. Here's, here's what we're dealing with today. We're dealing with a lack of attention to our personal holiness. We're dealing with the other extreme, okay? So the one extreme is this, trying, you know, trying to figure God out. We can't do that. But then the other extreme on the other side is to give no thought to how our lifestyle might affect our relationship with God, therefore hindering our prayers. Y'all see the difference here? Okay, now I told you a book that's really impacted me, an old book called The Kneeling Christian. And here's a quote that kind of motivated this thought. How slow we are, how unwilling we are to see that our lives hinder our prayers. We're so quick to blame God. We're so quick to blame others. And we get angry at God because his timetable hasn't come through. Like we, his timing isn't our timing or he hasn't answered prayer in the way we want him to answer prayer. And we get angry at God. And often that anger is misapplied. We should be angry. And here's my first point with sin. The sin in our life. One of the hindrances to answered prayer is simply sin. 
And it's really logical. God has better things for you. God has new opportunity for you. God has open doors for you. God wants to take you to places of advancement and places of blessing. But God, because he loves you, can't take you to the next place of blessing when you are harboring sin in your heart. He chooses not to do that. Why would he take you to a place of blessing if you're going to carry the same sin in your heart? Now, here's a key verse that we looked at. We're gonna look at another translation, verse 18 of Psalm 66. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And I've been there before when I just loved my sin. I enjoyed it. I loved it. It was part of my identity. And I did not want to give up my sin. And this scripture tells us, I I want today more than anything, I want you to be fed by the scripture. You know, I want the scripture just to feed you and nourish you and us just to see what God is saying through the scripture. And you can see that if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Here's the deal. Why would God give us a new blessing if we're gonna keep the old sin? You've seen before the media reports about someone who had financial trouble and then won the lottery. And the story has repeated itself over and over again here in modern history. Someone is having financial trouble you know, with $30,000 of resources and then they get access to 30 million and they get right back in the same trouble. Why? Because it's not a cash flow issue, it's a management issue. That's how it is with our lives. God wants to answer prayers, but because he loves us, he wants us to deal with the sin in our life first. Because if you don't deal with the sin, then you can't go to the place of blessing that God wants you to have. Let's look at James chapter five. It says this, therefore confess your sins to each other. This is verse 16. Therefore confess your sins to each other. That's one of the reasons Christian community is so important. That's why going to a women's Bible study, the men's Bible study, 242 groups, youth group, all those things are important because we can't confess sin to one another if we're not in relationship with one another. And we don't believe that you have to confess your sin to the priest. We believe we're all priests and we confess our sins to Jesus and there's healing by confessing it to one another. And I'm really glad because if I had to listen to all of your sins, it would be exhausting. (laughs) And it would be for you to listen to mine. So we're in relationship with people who, the confession part is uh, relationally based. I confess my sins with a heart for overcoming and victory because I want to move to the places God wants me to. And when I'm in community with people, they know my weaknesses and my tendencies and the same habits I keep repeating and they have the relationship to call that out of my life. Y'all see that? So therefore, confess your sins to each other. Are your, your weaknesses, your habits, and those things happen with time and repetition. Communities built through time, the repetition. 
and pray for each other so you may be healed. Now, here's the part I want you to see in relationship to this sin issue. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And so there is, there is a connection here with the effectiveness of our prayers and whether or not we're in right relationship with God. And you know this instinctively because if you have an issue in your life, who do you want praying for you? Someone who takes God casual or someone who's been in the presence of God? Instinctively, you want prayers from that person who knows God. If you were to attend a small group or something, let's say the men's Bible study. Since I've never been to a men's Bible study, this is a a safe example. I just walk by the door and wave at the men's Bible study. But suppose I was in there and I've been in situations like this. I can tell and you can tell the difference between a man who's trying to impress everybody with his prayers, like with this sense of uh, language he uses, kind of a bombastic, prideful prayer, like to show everyone how spiritual he is. There's a difference between that type of prayer and a prayer from a man who has spent time with God the night before or the morning, the morning of the study. There's a freshness about being in God's presence. There's a freshness, and that's why that scripture we looked at earlier says the prayer of a righteous man, a person who's right with God, And by grace, we're right with God. A prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, which means if you're not righteous, meaning you're not under the grace of Jesus, your prayers are puny and ineffective. And there's too much on the line for us to have puny and ineffective prayers. We need to be people with powerful, powerful prayers. You know, something that I have kind of a mental block to, and, and after the first service, I had the worship team tell me I'm so wrong on this, but let's just talk anyway. I have this mental block about going to a chiropractor. I just don't really have interest to that. And I have my reasons for, reasons why I don't go to a chiropractor. Now, I know a lot of you go to chiropractors, and there's some wonderful chiropractors in this city, people that I'm friends with. In fact, A couple of them have offered to treat me completely for free. Well, I have not taken up that. Now, my wife has. This is my wife, Beth, on the front row. During the first service, I started referring to the front row, but you weren't there. And I started thinking, people are going to think some woman in this section is my wife. But I had to do this kind of, but the the girl in the front row there, the beautiful girl in the front row there, is my wife, and she's been going to this chiropractor and has had a lot of success, okay? And you can look at her Facebook feed and, hear, and read all about it, all her different, she's, she's really excited about it. I, have a, I don't have a need to go. I do have a great empathy for those of you with back trouble because there was two or three months that I had a back issue, and luckily I was able to solve that through a muscle relaxer. It was, it was crazy. I just took this $5 muscle relaxer and it... I've never had a back problem since then. It doesn't work that way for everybody and I'm empathetic to you. But here's the point, here's the point. Okay, I have access to a free chiropractor, but I don't receive because I, at this point in my life, I don't really believe in that practice. So here's the point. I hope I haven't offended any chiropractors in here. I still want you to be part of my church. Here's the point is, We can't receive from what we don't believe. Are you with me? 
We can't receive what we don't believe. So I can't receive from that practice because I don't believe at this point in it. You're gonna see me in the lobby of a chiropractor in a year from now laugh at me, all of you, I know. Here's the second hindrance to prayer we're gonna focus on this morning is doubt. And many of us may be praying, but we're not praying in faith. Our prayer is kind of like an insurance coverage. We're gonna say the words to God just in case prayer really works. Just in, just in case prayer really works, we're gonna say the words to God, but we're not, we're not praying in faith. We're not praying because we really believe. And I just wanna encourage you today to pray in faith. And how do you get faith? You get faith from the scripture. You get faith from hearing the word of God. So the way to build your faith is to develop a devotional life. Try, try to spend time with God, let's say five times a week would be great. Daily would be even better, but five times a week is a great place to start. We have Bible reading plans at the communication center, and I can get those to you. Read the scripture, it builds your faith. Come to church on a regular basis. We, we do this because it builds our faith. We get to hear messages under the anointing of the Lord. We get to hear, we get to sing songs under the anointing. Go to a small group which is a 242 group, our women's Bible study, our men's Bible study. These things build our faith. They build our faith. And when our faith is built, then we pray not out of doubt, but we pray out of faith. Let's look at back to James here. James chapter one says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. Verse six, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. Let's go to Mark chapter 11. Here's a scripture that uh, all of the gospels record the scripture at different times. And so we're gonna look at it from different gospels in different ways uh, this basically the same teaching from Jesus. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Jesus replied to them, have faith in God. And I assure you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Verse 24, therefore I tell you, all things you pray and ask for, believe that you have received them and you will have them. Now, we're gonna be looking at this scripture in subsequent weeks and, and talking it out, but just on first read, it means what it says. That, listen, when we pray in God's will and his name, God's gonna answer our prayers. And I want you to nourish that kind of faith. Nourish that kind of faith so that you're not just saying the words, but you're really doubting in your heart. And a great thing if you are doubting, Jesus is okay with that because Jesus, Jesus uh, answered a great prayer. One of his followers said, oh, Jesus, help us with our unbelief. And so just by saying that, you're praying. So we have hindrances to prayer that we're looking at today. Is sin, is doubt. Here's a third one I wanna talk about, lack of forgiveness. Lack of forgiveness. Now, Mark chapter 11, we just read this amazing scripture that like you read that and you're thinking, wow, 
now that I know that, I could pray for anything. I mean, it's encouraging. It's almost hard to believe. And, and that, that's really a great scripture, a great faith-building scripture. But now look at the verses right after that in verse 22. In verse 22, excuse me, in verse 25. In verse 25, this is right after the passage we just read. And whenever you stand praying, so now remember, God said, you pray about anything, you pray about anything, and, and if it's in my will, I'm gonna make it happen. Essentially, that's what he's saying. But now, right after that in the passage, it says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive your wrongdoing. Verse 26, but if you don't forgive Neither will your Father in heaven forgive your wrongdoing. Wow. I mean, this scripture speaks to us today. That Jesus so wants his character in us that one of the reasons he forgives is so that we will be people who forgive. Now, I could preach weeks about forgiveness, but let me just give you a one minute lesson in forgiveness, just so we're clear, we're all agreeing upon the same thing. Forgiveness does not mean that things are the way they used to be. That's reconciliation. Actually, actually that's incorrect, that's restoration. Restoration means things are the same as they used to be like it didn't happen before. And do you know that for some of you, you don't need restoration with someone in your life, that may be unhealthy for you and not even God's will. So we think, well, forgiveness means the relationship has to be restored. That's not true. It doesn't mean reconciliation either. I know I said that word in the wrong place already, but let me be clear. Reconciliation would mean if me and Beth, if, if we had a fight, which we've never had, yeah, right? Uh, but uh, that, that we agreed, we agreed with each other. So we may be in disagreement. We may never come and reconcile an issue. But God has called me to forgive her even if we don't reconcile what happened. God has called me to forgive someone in my past even if the relationship's never the same. So do you understand the difference there? So it didn't say restoration or reconciliation, but forgiveness. Now, now put that verse 26 one more time up there because it's just so powerful. If you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your wrongdoing. I want to encourage you to look at your heart in the area of forgiveness to make sure your prayers are effective. And as I was praying about this this week, I thought about something that we often do with public figures. Often we get mad at public figures. We get angry at them, whether it's a president, a governor, a mayor, a senator, a city councilman. And then we read the scripture that says, well, pray for your leaders but we're actually walking in unforgiveness towards our leaders. So our prayer for our leaders or anyone else are ineffective if we're walking in unforgiveness towards that person. So brothers and sisters, walk in forgiveness and then pray as you walk in forgiveness. If not, that's a hindrance to our prayers. And so the enemy wants to keep us in unforgiveness 
because he knows what happens is when we begin to walk in the nature and character of Jesus and we begin to forgive people, the power and the anointing that comes to our life is unbelievable. Then God really can answer prayers. And so we need to be people of forgiveness. When I was in college, well, let me say one thing too. There's one thing I have to say. See, I nearly, I nearly forgot this, but this is important. This is important. I wanna to talk to the husbands here too. Do you know that the greatest enemy to our marriage is not hate, but it's indifference. And when we get hard hearts towards our spouses, that's when we're in a bad place. And that's happened, that's happened in, in Beth and I's marriage before we had hard hearts towards each other. And so here's one of the things the scripture says keeps us from answering our prayers. And this is specifically to the husbands. Guys, if you don't honor your wives, God won't answer your prayers. And all the ladies said, hallelujah, preach it, brother. Then <laughs> first Peter is talking about the relationship between a man and a wife. And there's responsibilities on both sides. But in verse seven, this is so powerful. I don't hear this preached enough. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives and with an understanding of their weaker nature, yet showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life. Now look at that phrase. So that your prayers will not be hindered. So if we don't honor our wives, then our prayers may not be answered. Our prayers will be hindered. Powerful statement, isn't it? something for you to chew on. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit's definitely used that to convict me of sin in my life. When I was in college, I was at one particular semester. I just wasn't at the best place spiritually. Wasn't at the place that I needed to be. My roommate, I had grown up with him in high school. We went to the same college together and, and he had not been living for the Lord through high school, but he started going to a church and God started changing his life. I started seeing God change his life. Now, here's the deal. The church that he went to, I did not prefer the pastor. The pastor had a TV show, so I knew of his mannerisms. And there was nothing unbiblical this guy was doing that I could see. I just didn't like culturally his mannerisms. It just annoyed me. I didn't like some of his associates either. That annoyed me too. And even at, at one time in my immaturity, kind of poked fun of some of his mannerisms. Well, one night, it was a Wednesday night, my friend invited me to church. I just went basically because I didn't have a whole lot going on that night. And so went to church service with him and it was a church maybe about the size of this, not much bigger than this room. We were, we were going into ministry time and it had been a nice service, but it was a more casual kind of atmosphere, kind of a prayer meeting type of atmosphere. And as they're going, the sermon's over and they're going into ministry time, he begins to pray, pray for people in the audience. And he begins to pray prophetically and starts to say general things. Like, I think there's someone here that's dealing with this, that, or the other. Just general stuff, like about direction in life. He wasn't saying, like, there's someone with a gray shirt and blue pants out there, which I guess he could have said that because he could have seen in the crowd, you know, kind of, but... Uh, he was talking about general things. And as he talked about these general things, I started thinking, wow, this, this sounds like it's for me. He kept talking about it, and I'm like, wow, this is for me. And at that moment, I thought, there is no way God can use that guy to speak to me because I don't like him. He gets on my nerves. God, this has to be for someone else, doesn't it? I started trying to explain it away. 
I tried to project it on somebody else. And do you know that I could have easily, and, and at one time I thought this was going to happen, left that service, got, got back in our car, driven back to campus, and no one would have known how full of pride I was because I was a leader in our campus. I was preaching different places. I had already kind of launched my ministry. And um, no one would have known that my heart was hard and I was full of pride and the Holy Spirit was inviting me through a means I did not prefer. And I could have resisted that and that would not have affected my salvation, but it could have affected the trajectory of my life. The story is I responded, I came to the front, he prayed for me um, and my life was impacted. It's hard for me to see how I would be preaching to you right now if I had not had that experience. You know, grace could have come another way and God could have been gracious to do that, but that deeply impacted me. That experience deeply impacted me, but I was this close to not responding because of pride. And that's the last thing that impediment to prayer that I want to emphasize today is the issue of pride. And pride affects all people in different ways. And the ladies are affected by pride in other ways, but men, we're specifically tempted in pride when it comes to spiritual things that we don't want to humble ourselves and be men of prayer. Because we have been trained to be independent thinkers and we've been trained to be problem solvers. And that's part of God has given us that gift and we need men to be men. I'm all for that. But we also are called to be men of prayer and we can't solve problems without the Holy Spirit's help and have the kind of fruit the Holy Spirit wants us to have. Pride prevents prayer because prayer is humbling. It takes true humility to pray. Whether it's the embarrassment to be, pray publicly or, or whether it's just simply uh, the time component, giving up 15 minutes to pray is an act of humility. And yet, that's what God wants. Here's a scripture that we all need to emphasize a lot right now. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If you are a patriot, which I hope you love our country, the greatest way you can love your country is to live out this verse. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, I put that there because of this point, and pray, you see how those are connected together? Humility and prayer. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That goes back to the sin component. Then I will hear from heaven. Do, do you see that? God is not, God, God responds to our humility and our holiness in prayer. That's what he has chosen to do. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Brothers and sisters, you are called to be men and women of prayer. And that is not a burden that is unbecoming and too heavy or unattainable. You are called to be a teacher who prays. You are called to be a businessman who prays. You are called to be a housewife who prays. You are called to be a student who prays. You are called to be an athlete who prays. You are called to be a musician who prays. You're called to be a truck driver who prays. You're called to be a lawn service person who prays, a waitress, a waiter to pray. Prayer is not for 
The hermits are for those who live in monasteries. Prayer is for everyone. And we all have different styles. We all have different ways we pray. But we're all called to pray. Let's stand together. I wanna invite our ushers to begin to prepare for communion. And, and then at this time, I wanna invite those who are being baptized in water. Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Church of Indian Lake. 